0: That's a sensational catch, absolutely brilliant from Hooper. Was hit back firmly by Mallow. Hammered down the ground, it could fly all the way for a maximum. It's going to soar into the sky. That's the six they needed, that's 50 for Brush. What a knock that is from him! Outstanding striking, and that six brings Guernsey back into the game.
1: Could be a catch, what a catch! One handed grab, and that's Josh Butler, the captain. Oh my days, we have been treated to some catches in this tournament. Welcome to Under the Covers, Guernsey Cricket's very own podcast I'm Ben Furbrush, Guernsey Cricket Development Manager and on this podcast we will be chatting to players old and new, coaches, administrators and other cricketing keen beans along the way On this bonus edition of Under the Covers, we play back a Q&A with Middlesex opening batsman Max Holden Okay, so Max, thanks very much for coming on uh, We've got a whole host of questions, but to start with just give us a bit of an outline of what you're up to at the moment
0: yeah, well, we've been back at Middlesex for the for the last few weeks. We um managed to get some stuff in um just for Christmas, uh mainly drill based work um in at Lords, and then we had a bit of a break. Um, unfortunately obviously the, the COVID situation evolving. We had a a little break at the start of January, but um fortunately managed to get back into swing of things um, a couple of weeks ago and we've been training in groups of um four or five um for the last few weeks and um building into pre-season now we're looking ahead to to getting in the marquee at Merchant Taylor's school on grass wickets. I'm on the 1st of March, which is exciting. Um, yes, I've been in uh, four days a week, I think, um, at Middlesex in small groups, um, just doing some technical work and looking ahead to the season.
1: And then what does that sort of consist of? Is it facing bowlers or is it more just skills-based, you know, homing a certain skill?
0: Uh, yeah, it's moved on to facing bowlers most of the time now. I think we tend to do most of our technical work and drill work before Christmas um, in indoor school and do a lot of our, our basics and our, our technique stuff against machines and, and we throw downs before Christmas and then we try and prioritise and have as much time as we can facing the, the bowlers um, in, uh, in, uh, in practice as much as we can. I've got um, Tim Murta and James Harris in my group, so two, two excellent bowlers to face um, in my group of five and I like to try and face bowlers as much as I can really because I think that's obviously the, the best way to replicate a game and do scenarios against bowlers and things like that. We've um, done a fair amount of that in, uh, in recent weeks. And then on top of that, I guess there's some, there's some fitness going on as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've um, we've got a couple of S and Cs. They so split into again to separate groups for for COVID reasons. And then we um, yeah we've been in pairs in the gym doing two or th- two or three gym sessions a week. And then we've actually had to do our our running stuff on our own, so I had to get out and uh, motivate ourselves to do runs uh, individually rather than as a group, which is obviously a shame. But um, yeah, trying to keep on top of our fitness as well because obviously it's a long summer ahead and important we um, as fit as we can to get through that.
1: And then with regards to sort of the summer uh, that you touched on there. How does your training look in comparison to what it
0: would look like right now? Um, it's actually, I think the, one of the challenges, I guess, of the summer is because the county schedule is so packed, um, we actually have quite limited training time in between games. Obviously, you're travelling, you're moving on to the next game. So I think um, in the summer, it's really important to have uh, specific practice as much as you can and really know exactly when you want to get out in session because you might only have one session a week if you're playing four-day game, one-day game and travelling in between. So I think it's real... A real focus, is in those summer summer blocks to, uh, on your training to know exactly what sort of gets you ready to play, and it's more around preparation rather than you know. Now I might be doing some technical work and thinking about different technical things, but I think I try and park that as much as I can, can in the summer and just more focus on those games and use the training as um, preparation for the game. So if you're you know if you know, know you're coming up against know if you're coming up against different type of bowlers, work on that in uh, in practice leading up to up to games to really um, narrow down what you need to work on.
1: And then do you find it hard to like sort of going from different format to format?
0: Yeah, it's something I've I've found, yeah, quite tricky over the years, I guess. I think um, I've got a bit better at the last couple, but um, I think particularly in Red Bull cricket, um, I found it a challenge sort of coming back to Red Bull cricket after playing white ball, um, obviously, you know, opening the batting, um, it's obviously a challenge with the Red Bull moving around. And I think I found it initially quite challenging, almost in the white ball mindset and then switching back to Red Bull, um, I found it. Maybe I was playing a few shooting, many loose shots, big drives and things like that, which obviously are not as um, appropriate in the Red Bull game. Um, but I guess now we've done a, you know, a bit more of it and your, your practice is almost tailored to the different formats and you can try and change your gameplay as much as you can. Um, but it is, a, yeah, it is a challenge.
1: And then sort of, I'm not sure if you ever have actually done this, but batting in the middle order as opposed to the top of the order, how do you sort of change the way you approach that?
0: Yeah, it is a challenge. Um, I think I did it... A couple of years ago, certainly when I first got in the Middlesex team, especially in Red Bull cricket, I was um, batting in the middle order a bit more. Um, and I found it a challenge because sort of growing up, I'd always opened and always been used to sort of going straight out to bat and not having to really think about it. But um, I almost find it a bit more of a mental challenge, almost waiting to bat and not being... You know, I tried to almost watch every ball and focus on every ball. And I found, you know, by the time I went out to bat, I was almost so mentally drained and, and fatigued from watching, watching the game. I, I found it hard to almost switch on. Um, so I think, you know, it's almost important to be able to relax, I guess, waiting to bat. And I, I found that um, a bit tricky having having opened um, most of my career.
1: And is that something that's sort of equally as hard sort of when you're fielding, knowing that you're opening, when you're back into your fielding stint?
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think especially um, as it gets towards the end of the day, you know, it's always a, a tricky time. If you have, you know, 5, 10, 15 overs to bat at the end of the day, a long day fielding and you know suddenly the team team are eight down you start you know thinking about batting and thinking about you know when those wickets are going to fall and um, I guess that's why it's important to have a a bit of a routine you go through um, when that wicket falls to get your get yourself in the frame of mind to to go out and bat because obviously you could have been fielding for a day and a half and then you've got to go out and switch on um, within 10 minutes so have a little routine that I'd go through to try and um, get myself in the in the right frame of mind.
1: Yes and what does that routine consist of if you don't mind me asking?
0: Uh yeah, well it's sort of like um I'd always pad up in a certain way, like put the right pads on the right first. I know it sounds silly, but it almost switches me on to batting mode from fielding fielding mode. Then I like to have a bit of time on my own before I go to bat, so I sort of try and pad up as quick as I can and almost go and try and s- sit away from the the other guys in the in the dressing because obviously there's a lot going on, a lot of noise in the dressing room to, to sort of um distract you, I guess. So I try and pad up as quick as I can, and almost go and sit on the balcony on my own and sort of gather my thoughts and um, go through the plan I want to go through um, when I get into the middle. Um, obviously, I know who I'm going to be coming up against, have a think about that and think exactly how I want to sort of negotiate the first um, few hours, really. But I think that time to sort of be on my own um, in a you know quiet place and sort of relax and, and can, you know really switch on to, to the innings at hand is quite important to me because, you know, like I said, everyone, everyone here will know that sort of dressing room, a lot could be going on, a lot of chat about the innings, a lot of chat what's going on, the wicket and various things like that. And I almost find it quite... Um, important to step away from that and sort of gather my thoughts and, and really focus on, on what I need to do rather than what's gone.
1: And would you face any balls before going out to bat or is it simply you know just switching on by mentally preparing?
0: Um, yeah no it's more mental for me I think obviously there's not always as much time you know some guys if there's a wicket um, falls at sort of lunch you can sort of go to the nets and, and hit a few balls but um, for me personally it'd be more mental preparation I try and do you know, all my all my batting practices in the morning of the day, I've got a little routine I'd go through in the morning, and um, I sort of try and do that as much as I can. So then I know I've, that's almost been banked and prepped. Um, so then when I go out to bat, it's almost that mental preparation is more important to me rather than sort of trying to rush and hit, you know, a few underarms or something. Um, I, don't, I think that sort of all the work you've done leading up to that's more important than sort of um, cramming something in in those you know five or ten minutes. So it's more uh, more mental preparation for me, I'd say. And
1: then actually a question that's been raised uh, by Hannah, who's actually our ladies captain. Um, how did you deal with sort of the pressures of captaining England under-19s as well as performing at the same time as an individual player?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I found it, um, found it very tricky to to start with because I hadn't done a great deal of captaincy. Um, sort of growing up through the, sort of the younger age groups, it's almost thrown upon me when I hadn't really had um, that much experience. And I found it... Um, quite mentally draining, you know, a lot of decisions to make in the field, um, especially in the longer format over over long days. I found it quite mentally um, fatiguing and obviously a lot goes with captaining and you know, you, you're chatting to the bowlers, you're chatting to people at the end of the day's play, you're giving the team talk and um, a lot goes into that and you almost sometimes forget that, you know, your job in the team is to, you know, score runs, take wickets um, and that's your your primary role. So you have to find a way, I guess, of um, focusing when it's your time to to bat or do your skill really having a a way of focusing on this is what I need to do, um, to get the best at myself. And then when that's not the time, that's when you think about the team and other people. Um, so I guess it's about managing your time. Um, and almost having, I remember I listened to Andrew Strauss, he sort of said, as soon as he puts the helmet on, whether it be in practice or in a game, he's Andrew Strauss, the, the batsman. And when he takes it off, he's Andrew Strauss, the captain. And that's when he's worrying about all the other stuff that comes with captaincy, um, but yeah, definitely initially and it, it does take some practice, I guess, to, to find a way of thinking, right, this is my time. I need to be in my zone and I need to be focusing on what I need to do. And then obviously the rest of the time you're there to, to help the team and support the team the best you can. But um, I don't think it definitely probably gets easier the, the more I did it and uh, more experience I got.
1: And did you find sort of that element of pressure also impacting your game outside of England? So obviously there's probably quite a lot of talk around you being England captain or the 19 captain. Did you find that impacted you're in Middlesex as well
0: um I think I like, had to be careful um it didn't. I think one thing I've sort of always i guess tried to do is is not look too far ahead and almost focus on what's in, in front of you. I know it's a cliche, but I think that's that's the most important thing to do you know um I think if you start looking too far ahead and thinking about you know what people might be saying about you or good things or bad things people might be saying about you, I think that sort of distracts you from the from the task at hand really and I think um, obviously, yeah, it was a great honour to to be able to captain you know the 19s, and obviously there's um, some talk and things that come with that. But uh, when I was at Middlesex, I tried to just you know do my best I could for them and focus on on almost the next game really. I think if you start thinking about oh this person said this or this person said that or how good it is, I'm I'm um, fortunate after captain England 19s and to look too far ahead. I think that's when um, things become a bit tricky. I think maybe it brought maybe I put myself on a bit more pressure than I probably should have done at times. I think I thought. Okay, I've got to you know, score more runs, or I've got to do this, or I've got to do that to keep progressing um, so I think in hindsight maybe you know, find a way of taking a little bit more pressure off myself um, would, have been, uh, would have been beneficial but um, yeah, like I said I think what I've always tried to do um, growing up is, is not look too far ahead and obviously have a, have a dream and, a, and an aspiration of where you want to get to but um, I think if you start thinking about things down the line or what people might be saying about you that's when um, things become more tricky.
1: And then on captaincy, we've actually had a question from someone in the chat. So, uh, Luke Bishard has asked, Who, who's the best captain you've played under and what made him a good captain?
0: Uh, yeah, good question. I think, obviously, at Middlesex, we're very fortunate to have um, Owen Morgan um, around a fair amount of time when he's, he's not obviously on England duty. And he, you know, when I first sort of got, played a few T20s, he was, the, he was the captain. I think it's difficult to, to look past him, um, obviously, as a captain, I think, um, I think the thing I'd say about um, Morgan is it almost like he's exactly how you think he'd be watching him on TV. He's so cool. He's so calm. Um, I think it's support for a captain not to sort of ride the waves of the emotion of the game. He stays sort of very level throughout. I think, you know, watching him or, or listening to him talk, you wouldn't really realise what the state of the game was, whether we're on top, whether the team are on top of us, he just seems to stay very level. Um, and I think that's why he's able to make such sort of um, great decisions under pressure because he's not too emotional, and he's able to think you know really clearly, even when the ball's going out of the park, and, you know it's easy to lose your rag, he stays very very calm and very level, and almost sticks to the plan um even when uh even when things maybe aren't going going as well, so I think yeah, I was very fortunate to to play under him um and I th- think he's obviously uh he's probably the you know, England's best ever captain so i'd uh I'd definitely say him
1: the um, cricket um aside from that, so other than just captaincy, uh, if you're in a really tough period in a match, how do you sort of dig in um and what do you find? Is there a certain something you do that really makes you switch on and focus?
0: Yeah, no, it's tricky. Like I said, obviously, um opening I guess a lot of the time is you know when you first go out to bat, if you especially if you're batting first, that first little period can be the um you know the hardest time to bat. So I think um what I always try and tell myself is you know, if I get in, you know, things are always going to generally get easier. If you get through a tough time or a tough spell, um, it, you know, the chances are later down the line, you're going to be um, rewarded from all that hard work. So I like to sort of keep reminding myself that, you know, knuckle in, um, do the hard work now and I'll um, be rewarded later. That's obviously a, a big thing that Stuart Law, our, our coach, speaks about quite a lot, is in those first two sessions of a day's play almost sets up the, the third session where you can sort of cash in. And if, you're, if you still have batters in at that point, the bowlers are tired. The ball's older. Um, that's when you do your hard work. Um, you know, d- even just simple things, whether it be leaving well, moving your feet um, really quickly. Obviously, is important. I think. Um, yeah, yes the main thing I'd say is being able to uh, um, assess conditions very early. Assess what shots are going to be appropriate on this pitch. Is it? An, is it a green seamer where driving is going to be difficult? I guess as you know, openers you don't always have a an idea what it's going to be like till you get out there. But um, being able to assess those conditions really quickly and what shots are going to be. You know, your bankers on that day, I, I guess, is the main um, advice I'd give. And, you know, if it's a fast, bouncy pitch, you know, my main scoring options might be off the back foot. And, um, yeah, so I guess as soon as you go out there, in your mind, be thinking um, very quickly what what shots are going to be um, the best to play on that pitch to, to get through the tricky spells, I'd say.
1: And then alongside that, another question uh, from someone in the chat, Adam Delamere has asked, um, sort of batting in white ball cricket, How do you switch between sort of facing seam from one end and there could be a spinner on at the other end? So two completely different uh, bowlers.
0: Yeah, no, another good question. That's obviously um, tricky. And I think teams seem to do that more and more um, in county cricket, try and mix up the bowlers so you don't sort of get set against uh, a particular type of bowling bowler. Um, I think what we do quite well um, generally is we sort of analyse the opposition before the game. So you might think, okay, this is a spinner we're going to come up against, this is their seam attack. And then almost before the game, you can come up with a game plan um, uh, against a t- particular type of bowler. So it might be their spinners, their main threat, and we want to hit him for six and over in a T20 and make sure we don't lose any wickets. And we can target um, another bowler. Um, so I guess if you don't know who you're playing against, what I would say is almost being so clear on your on your game plan to spin and seam would be the most important thing. Um, I think obviously spin, um, particularly, can be you know difficult, and you can get bogged down in in white ball cricket. Um, So if you're crystal clear on that game plan, again, going into the game that, you know, if an off is bowling at you, this is my boundary option. This is where I'm going to look to rotate the strike. And if you have that in your mind, um, almost before you go out to bat, and obviously be prepared to adapt, but if you have that in your mind, that game plan, um, I think that probably puts you in the best place to sort of um, not feel that pressure because you know exactly how you're going to go about this and uh, how you're going to try and score off him.
1: And then, as a left-handed batter, do you prefer it when someone comes over around the wicket, and you prefer not to give away your sort of trade secrets? Could you let us know some advantage or disadvantage to to both? Uh, that was actually a question from Louis Day. That one.
0: Yeah, I've um, yeah, it's a very good question. I've actually had a few struggles from um, from around the wicket um, the last couple of years, and I've I've almost found um, obviously played a You know, a few years now, and i played against. This, um, the same bowlers over a few years. And obviously they do the analysis as new, the same way you would do on them. And I think um, bowlers have worked out that I'm a bit more vulnerable to the ball um, around the wicket, almost moving away from from the bat from around the wicket, which is obviously a tricky angle to face as a left-hander. Um, and I found that, you know, more and more bowlers are doing that to me um, almost from ball one. So it's my job to try and adapt and find a way of um, almost negating that. Um, I've done little, little sort of things. like I moved move a bit further um, across my crease to try and, line the ball up with a bit of a straighter bat um, from around the wicket um and obviously from over the wicket i find um the best thing to do is try and leave as well as you can especially red bull cricket because the natural angle of the ball from over obviously going across across the um the left hand if you leave as well that makes the bowler uh, bowl to you and in you know on your pads and things like that which is where obviously you you want them to be in um, in red bull cricket but um Little things around my guard and my, my lineup would be the main thing I think about. I'd be a bit more open when the, when the bowl is over the wicket and slightly more closed um, when they're round, just to make sure I line the ball up um, from the angle it's coming from the, the best I can, I'd say.
1: Right, OK. Um, if I sort of open it up now to guys who are on the chat, some people have sent me a question. Um, so one of them is, uh, it's actually uh, one of Lee Forshaw's boys. Um, Lee, if you want to unmute, if one of the boys wants to ask their question
0: could choose anyone, who would you be, be your ideal opening batting partner and why? Oh, very good question. Um, I'd probably say Alistair Cook. I think um, growing up he was, a, he was a hero of mine um, and I was, he was lucky enough to play against him last year and I think even now, obviously a bit older than he used to be, um, he's still such a great county player and obviously an absolute England legend now. I think um, the main thing I'd say about him when I obviously spoke about game plan a little bit earlier, I'd say he was obviously probably not the most naturally talented um, England player, um, but how hard he worked and how driven he was to to succeed, obviously the thing that obviously stands out about him and, you know, he didn't have all the shots, but he knew exactly where to score to different type of bowlers. And um, I think the score, the number of runs he did in, in test cricket as an opening batsman um, in England is, will probably, you know, very unlikely to ever happen again. So I think he was, uh, he was sort of the guy I looked up to when I was, was growing up and, um I'd probably say he'd be my my ideal only partner. Um he's obviously Essex, so I'm not sure I'll ever get the chance to open with him. But um yeah, he'd be um he'd be up there as my uh, you know, ideal partner, I'd say.
1: And another question that's actually come in uh from Peter Birch is, uh, have you ever had to change your technique at all? And if so, how did you go about changing it?
0: Yeah, I have. I've yeah, um I've made you know sort of subtle changes my my whole career, I guess really. Um I think one thing I'd say about uh, technical changes i think I, I think they 're tricky to do um massive changes in season um because obviously you 're playing so many games, and your focus should be on you know almost game plan how you 're going to score as many runs as you can in those games I think it's, you can make sort of little changes and little tweaks in the season to to make small improvements but if I was going to make you know a relatively large change, I'd try and do that in the winter months when um we 're not playing as much because you know you 've got time then to away from the pressure of. You know, games and you know, pressure of scoring runs to really sort of get to grips with a, a new technique or a new um, way of playing. You can almost groove that through the months of the winter, so it's ready to go um, in the season. Um, sort of the main main change I would have done um, would have been a couple of years ago. I had a quite a tricky year in in 2019, and it didn't go as well as I'd like, and I had quite um, quite a few struggles over that season. So sort of that winter I sat down with the coaching staff and, and sat down with the, the middle of cabin director actually, who who sort of knows my game best because I obviously, um, I spent time with him since I was 11 years old. So we we sort of sat down and thought, you know, what, what, what sort of went wrong um, in the summer and things I could do. And I made little changes to my back lift and little changes to my slight trigger movement um, and sort of, yeah, had the winter at home to to really practice them as groove grew down as much as I can and sort of managed to implement them um, more last year. Um so I think yeah that's advice I do you know do as much, much technical work technical work as away from away from cricket and away from the games as you can, um, whether that's you know drills or bowling machine work, um, I think that's the best way of doing it rather than sort of being under pressure against bowlers and things like that because it's almost your main focus when you're facing the bowlers, is watching the ball and, and, uh, and playing him the best you can. So I did most of my technical work in the winter against drills, underarms, uh, bowling machine work and things like that
1: and then another question that's come in um what
0: is your favorite attacking shot and why or attacking shot and why um it's probably not my not my best shot uh, i don't play it that often but uh, i think a straight drive against a, a good quick bowler would be um would be my my favorite shot because i think to hit, uh, hit a good bowler for a you know perfectly straight drive is you know probably shows that all the test- technical aspects of your batting's in a good place i think if you can if you can keep balanced and hit the, back, the ball back where it came, comes from, um, probably shows that all the things that make a, a batter click and you know, you know, head position, you know, body weight, weight into the ball, footwork, um, back path is all in a, all in sync and in a good place. So I'd probably say that's the the nicest shot to play. I think you know, probably my my best shot is probably a pull shot or something like that. But um, I think uh, yeah, straight drive would be uh, be my favourite shot. I think.
1: Okay, if we jump across to the Robinsons if you want to unmute and ask your one of your questions
0: have you got any tips on facing swing bowling uh, very good question um swing bowling yeah i think the, the tricky thing about swing obviously is um that you know the later it swings is the the harder it is i guess really some bowlers get to swing it from the hand and you can you can almost read the swing quite early but when it swings late i think that's the the trickier um type of bowl to face and i think the yeah, the main the main advice I guess I'd give, or what I try and do, is <clears throat> move as late as you can. Because then, if you move late, you get a you know idea of where the line is going to be. I think people get into into problems get swing bowling when you almost over commit too early, and that means you know you close yourself off with your foot, or you can't get access to the ball. So I think it's important to when you're facing a good swing bowl, just to wait that split second longer to sort of track the line of the ball, and then move late and fast um, into line would be my my. Um, main advice because I think if you overcommit too early that's when you get into into problems and you play at one you shouldn't do or it gets you on the pad because you cleared yourself off so um, move as late and, and as fast as you can would be, um, be the main thing I'd say Do you have another one Ed or Molly? Um, I'm a spin bowler and I was just wondering what's like the hardest length to play off is it on your toes or bouncing? Good yeah well you know, I try and bowl spin, but I'm probably not as good as you. I'm not a very good at um, good off spinner. But um, the best spinners I face, um, I think they bowl they bowl the ball into the pitch, so a little bit shorter. Um, I think the if the, if you sort of float it up a bit too much, it's quite you know a bit too full. Um, that can be easier to play because you almost can cover the spin. I think the best the best sort of spinners I come up against would bowl the ball, you know, quite quick, you know, into that length where it's hard to know whether to go forward or back to it. So it's sort of that. That in between length, um, where it's not easy to to rock onto the back foot, but you can't quite get to the pitch and smother it. I think if you go a little bit too full, that's when you can sort of read it and get, get to the pitch and almost negate the spin. Obviously, if you're too short, then you've got time to to rock back and, and play a pull shot or a cut shot. So people ball the ball quite quickly into that in between length and gets people um, caught in the crease. I don't know if anyone watched the, the England Test match, but all those wickets that Ashwin got was when when the batsmen were sort of caught in two minds, not knowing whether to go forward or back. And that's when they got the, the catches at short leg and the catches at slip. So um, I guess that, that in-between length, if it makes sense, uh, would be the, the toughest for me to play, I think. Thank you. Thanks. No problem. You're listening
1: to Under the Covers, Guernsey's very own cricket podcast. We'll be back after the short break. Bowled him. Beautiful bit of bowling from William Peatfield. The stump comes crashing out the ground, and that's a big wicket here in Guernsey versus Denmark at the KG5. That's the first wicket. Letizia is the one who strikes.
0: He gives it a big celebration. He writes it up in a book. He notes it down and sends him up. You can add Manpreet Singh to that list. That's the breakthrough Letitia needed. That's the breakthrough Guernsey needed. And that's the breakthrough that Mark Ladder to my left wants. A big smile on his face.
1: And a wonderful shot there have a drive for four dogs already finding the boundary twice in this game okay if we jump across to Barnabas Smith he's got quite a few questions I think so fire one away yeah. Barnabas
0: um how hard did you have to work uh to become a professional England cricketer oh um yeah good question I think I had to work very hard I think I think um I probably wasn't the most, I guess, naturally uh, gifted player um, when I was younger. and um, But I think ever since I was, you know, maybe 10 or 11, I had the dream of, of becoming a professional cricketer and that was my, my goal and what I realised quite early what I wanted to do. Um, and I sort of made quite a lot of sacrifices and, and worked as hard as I could to, to make that happen, really. Um, so I think it's very, very important to, to work as hard as you can, you know, on your, on your skill work, on your fitness um, and all areas of your game. I think, you know, there's no sort of substitute to that hard work. And I think, Generally, if you work hard, the the rewards will come. Um, and I think, yeah, that that sort of goal I had when I was young and the dream I had of um, of playing for Middlesex and uh, making it as professional cricket sort of spurred me on um, to to try and work as harder as hard as anyone and and sort of push the boundaries and, and be as good as I could be, really. But um, I think it's important to, to still enjoy it as well because you know it's it's not always you know easy and there's going to be bumps along the road. So it's important to keep that perspective and realize you're you know you're very lucky to you know be playing cricket and enjoying it and uh sort of don't you know ride the roller coaster too much and get too too down when things don't go as well and you know also when you, when you do well don't get too high as well so try and stay as, as level as you can throughout because you know if you're a batsman you you know you're probably gonna fail more times than you succeed so if you get too down yourself that can uh that can be detrimental but yeah i had to i have to work as hard as i could and, and and yeah still have to work hard now to try and uh try and get better so um yeah, I think uh, yeah, working hard is uh, no substitute to that. And uh, yeah, I had to work pretty hard. I think.
1: Um, what do you do outside of cricket to try and stay fit?
0: Um, well, I try. We obviously do our, our gym work. Um, we do um, do some weights and work in the gym with the, the middle sets coaches. I Actually, do quite enjoy going on runs on my own as well. I go um, try and especially in lockdown, there was lots of time to to try and make myself as fit as I could and go out on lots of runs and uh, try and, you know, it's, in London, it's not always easy because there's, you know, so many cars and it's so busy, but try and find some nice places to to run around and keep as fit as I can. Um, I actually play quite a bit a lot of um, lot of golf as well. I know it's not the probably the best fitness, but being out and about for, you know, three, four hours on your feet is probably quite good for, you know, time I have to spend in the field. So I play quite a lot of golf as well. Cheers. Um, what is your favourite type of bowler to face and why? Oh, I find them all quite difficult, uh, to be honest with you. Um, Favourite type of bowler to face? I actually sometimes prefer people who, who swing the ball rather than those horrible type of bowlers who sort of pitch it up and try and seam it because I find it harder to almost line them up because it moves so late off the off the seam. Um, and I, I find I have more trouble against them, whereas swing bowlers, I think if I watch the ball really hard, um, I can sort of try and find a way of, um, of negotiating them. So I think the... Difficult question to say who I um like facing the most, but I think the least the, my least favourite bowler would be would be um guys who hit the seam and and nip it around. Cheers. And um, uh what are the best three bits of advice you would give to an eleven year old who wants to play cricket for England? Oh, tough one. Um first one would be would definitely be work hard. I know we obviously touched that on on your um touched on that before, but I think um, like I said, I think if you if you do work hard and do have that aspiration of of going on and 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 being the best you can, I think you have to have to put in the work and have to put in the groundwork to to try and make that happen. Um, second bit of advice I'd give, um, I think you know looking back on on me, which all I can speak about when I was young, I, I I put myself under an awful lot of pressure. Like I said, to um, <clears throat> to do well and and score runs, and I think in hindsight, I probably would have enjoyed the the journey a bit more than, than I could have than I, um, than I did perhaps. And obviously I've had great times and great memories, but I think, like I said before, I, um, I put myself on a lot of pressure to score runs. And I think um, I now realize um, now I'm a bit older that cricket's tough and, uh, you know, it's not always going to be straightforward and easy or an easy road. And I think to try and stay at levels you can and keep in mind where you want to get to and not get too down when, when things don't go go to plan would be um, be my second one. Um, and then the third bit of advice, I'd say know know your strengths. I think you know you now will be will have something that you know you do better than other people, and I think keep that in mind because that's what's going to drive you forward to get better. Um, you know whether you're exiting against a short ball, whether you can, you know you can spin the ball more than anyone else. Where it might be, always remember what your strengths are because that's what's going to sort of get you through. You know a tough period against a tough bowler, or you know bowling against a tough batsman. Remember, not what they can do, or or what you're weak at remember what your you know your super strength is because that's what's gonna you know set you apart from other people you know for me it probably was you know I lo- I love batting and I could you know try try to make myself as difficult as I could to get out and make sure I didn't throw my wicket away because I just you know I love batting and I love practicing so much that I didn't want to um, give it up easily so I tried to make myself as hard as I could to get out you know it could be you bowl fast or it could be your you know whatever it is remember your strength because that's what you know you're going to rely on when you when you get under a bit of pressure um so yeah i'd say that those three would be the the three bits of advice i'd give thank you no problem mate.
1: okay if we jump across to jasper doherty i think he's got a few questions so if you want to unmute yourself jasper
0: how many hours uh training do you do per day
1: You might be muted
0: actually, Max. Oh, sorry about that. Um, yeah, good question. Um, it does um it varies a bit. I think if you I actually when I was when I was younger, I think I used to practice um more than I do now. I think when I now I've got a little bit older, um I'm a bit more aware of exactly what I need to do and what I need to get out of my practice. So I sort of try and spend a little bit less time, but maybe a bit more focus on um on what I'm doing generally. Sort of middle sex sessions. So today I was in for for two and a half hours um, <clears throat> in a group of five. So that'll be about a, an average time session. But I think when I was young, I used to just want to bat and bat and bat, uh, and sort of didn't. You know, you had to sort of kick me out of the nets. Really, I'm sure there's you know, a few guys like that here um, on the call. Um, but uh, yeah, when I was young, I used to you know probably bat a bit longer than I do now. Um, but as i got older, I probably realised that sometimes the best thing to do cause is to you know have relax and and sort of work really hard when you're there and then have other times where you sort of switch off as well. But um, I'd say about two and a half hours, three hours would be a, an average um, time that the middle set of squires would be in, in training in a day. Um, What would you say is the most defining moment in your career? Ooh, most defining moment. Um, that's a very, very tricky one. Um, most defining moment. I think... My, I think my first first-class 100 was a, a big moment for me. I actually went on loan to to Northamptonshire um, when I was nineteen. Uh, sort of that point, I um, I played for the Nineteens, <coughs> England Nineteens, and then played a, a fair amount of second team um, cricket. But I think um, obviously the dream is always to play first-class cricket and make that step up. And I guess when you when you're there, you think, oh, am I going to be good enough? You know, am I going to get found out? Um, am I not going to be able to make that step up? So I think that first. Uh, 100 I scored sort of gave me a, a, bit, a lot of confidence to think you know what I can do this at this level and I think until you have that sort of innings or moment or uh, bowling spell where it sort of all goes all goes well it's sometimes hard to find that uh, inner belief that you belong there so I think that was quite a, a big moment in my career. Um, obviously you know uh, captaining the 19s was a incredible honour and something I'm very very proud of and uh, that's probably the proudest, proudest moment of my career would be um, captioning them, but I think that first first class hundred was a uh, was a great moment because it sort of made me think, you know, I can I can do it against these sort of guys, and I can um, I sort of uh, you know can uh, perform at this level. So that was the that was a big moment.
1: Who is your favourite cricketer to watch?
0: Sure. Um, who is your favourite cricketer to watch? Oh, um, favourite cricketers to watch. Um, I'd probably say. AB de Villiers I've always I've loved watching um he he played for Middlesex actually a couple of years ago and I think the way he you know he can play every shot in the book um he's such an entertainer and a great player to watch you know we were we lucky to watch a few of his amazing innings at Middlesex um, obviously from close hand and uh I think the fact he can do it in all three formats I think he's scored one of the slowest test match 50s ever and the fastest um ODI 100 so that's pretty good uh pretty good pedigree to show you can do it um, in sort of all scenarios and I think the way you can, you know, sort of take down a bowling attack at, at Will really is great to watch and uh, yeah, he was sort of a, yeah, great guy to watch growing up Thanks Perfect, okay, if we
1: go across to Harry Bisson, if you want to ask your question
0: What do you think is the optimum mentality to go out to bat with? Optimum mentality, um I think yeah it's actually what my uh, my dad he always used to say to me when I was young and uh, he'll probably be pleased I still remember it um is he used to- he used to say be relaxed but focused um, and I think that's quite a good um good mantra to um to live by i think um obviously you've got to be so switched on you've got to be in the zone if you like and uh, have a way where you can really really concentrate on the ball and watch the ball as hard as you can, but also I think it's important to have a way of talking with in between balls. Uh, being able to switch off and relax, because if you want to bat for, you know, a long period of time, if you're sort of so switched on the whole time, um, it can be difficult and you sort of lose concentration. Um, so I'd say that's uh, sort of something I'd like to tell myself um, before I go out to bat. Um, but you definitely need, you know, you watch the best players. You watch Steve Smith, you watch Virat Kohlius, almost, almost have that steely focus when the, when the ball's coming down. It seems like there's nothing else in their mind. No distractions when uh, the bowler turns at in his mark. He, they're you know so focused on that ball, and that's the only thing that that matters at that moment. And then in between balls, that's when they switch off and um, uh, unwind and and sort of then go on to the next ball. So I think um, yeah, having that way of focusing um, but then relaxing between balls would be the be the best mentality to have. But I think it's um, definitely something tricky. And you know, on different days, you can you can feel you know, some days you can feel really good, and it's easy to focus. Other days. Um, it can be more tricky. So, uh, you know, having a way of getting in that mindset uh, as much as you can it is, um, it's not easy, but I think the best players can do that. Thank you. Okay. And going back to uh, Freddie Forshaw, if
1: you want to ask your other question.
0: If you could play in any franchise team in the world, who would it be and why? Any franchise team, I don't, anyone, anyone would take me would uh, be good. But, um, I do love watching the, um, watching the big bash. I think that's a great tournament. I think the, the wickets are brilliant there. They, they produce, you know, good cricket on those pitches. And, um, yeah, I know a few guys have gone over there and played and, and done well. And I think that's a great, great competition. Um, I was in, uh, in Perth a few years ago playing, playing some great cricket. So I watched quite a lot of the big bash, um, over in Perth. And I thought it was a, a yeah, brilliant competition. I like watching it in the, in the mornings over here. Um, so it'd probably be uh be number one, but um, yeah, that'd be uh yeah, I'd like that.
1: Okay, thank you. Okay, we've had a message in the chat as well. So from Evan Lechure, Uh who's the hardest bowler you've faced and why?
0: Um, I faced uh, I faced James Anderson a, a couple of years ago when he was playing for playing for Lancashire, and I think he he obviously is you know probably well undoubtedly being England's best ever, and um, I found it very very tricky to play bowler at Lord's so with the slope, it was even more difficult to sort of line him up, and um, yeah, he was swinging it. I think he had the he had the better than me. He got me out of both innings, I think, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it was great, great experience to face him because obviously he's another guy I'd watched, um, watched growing up, and um, yeah, it was a bit surreal seeing him uh, him running in against me. But um, I think he uh, yeah he'd be the the trickiest I'd face, I'd say. Um, trying to think, uh, trying to think who else? Nathan Lyon, I found. I found very hard because he um obviously a left hander. Um him spinning the ball away from the bat was, was pretty tricky um to try and defend against him, but uh, I'd say those two would be the be the standouts.
1: Okay, is there any more questions from the floor at all? If someone wants to put their hands up if anyone's got any more. Whilst we're waiting for any more to come in, uh what sort of things do you do outside of cricket to switch off, Max?
0: Um yeah, I think that's a very important point. I think you know, like I say, cricket can almost be all, all encompassing at times, and you can, you know, be thinking about it so much. I think it's very important to have um, something away from cricket. Um, and obviously, it's different for different people to switch off and unwind and almost get away from the, the stresses and um, of playing cricket every day. So, you know, I play, like I said, play a lot of golf. I try and spend as much time with um, friends away from cricket, um, where you don't you know you don't have to speak about cricket too much or think about it too much, and you can almost relax and unwind. Um, I'm also doing an online um, university degree, which a f- a few, quite a few of the Middlesex team are doing. Yeah, um, obviously, you can do it all online, and we've got to deal with, uh, with the university where we can do it over um, a certain number of years. Um, so I'm doing that in sports business management. Um, so, yeah, I try and do a few different things to sort of unwind and, and forget about cricket in, in my spare time.
1: And then one from Hannah. Uh, if you've had to deal with any setbacks, what have you done to get yourself back on track and back in line?
0: yeah um good question and uh, yeah I've um yeah obviously like uh like any player you'd have times where where things qu- don't quite go to plan and, and you have setbacks and I think the way I've always tried to sort of go through it is by almost resetting and then working harder and and going again really I think it's not always easy if things are you know sort of spiral out of control and you end up you know you know over you know five six weeks don't do as well as you like and you know it's easy to get down and um cross with yourself and you know frustrated because you think you know i'm doing all this and you know why is it not quite going going to plan really um so almost having that time you know step away for a couple of days think about what you're doing think about what you do when you're at your best because um, it's probably something a little simple thing that you're not quite doing uh, whether it's technical mental i don't know what it might be but it's probably a very simple thing that you're not doing that you do normally when you're you know playing at your at your best level so take that time step away and think right okay it's a small technical thing that i'm not um not doing that I do when I'm I'm playing really well, um, and then okay I'm going to work as hard as I can um, on that in the nets to, to sort of push on and and go again. But um, yeah, I think the the thing to remember, I guess, is all the all the great players have had times where things don't quite go to plan, and it's not the you know not the end of the world. It Doesn't mean you're a bad cricketer. Um, it just means you're going for a little period where things aren't um, quite clicking for you. And keep that belief that you know things will turn around if you um, if you keep working hard.
1: And I think we've got one from Harry Newton, if Harry wants to unmute himself.
0: Yeah, um Is there any pressure, uh, extra pressure playing at Lords? Extra pressure playing at Lords. Um I think initially there probably was, because it was such a, yeah, like a bit, like I said about facing Jimmy, it was quite surreal walking out at Lords, walking through the long room. Um And obviously it's what everyone, you know, dreams of doing. So I think initially it was almost like, I can't believe I'm here, how amazing... Um, is this? But I think the more I have played there, I've almost that sort of has passed, and it's just the uh, you know the appreciation of what a uh, you know, amazing ground it is, and how lucky we are as Middlesex to play there, you know, every other game, and it's you know it's a great you know honour every time to sort of walk out to bat there, and um, you know it's actually quite tricky sometimes as a as a batter with the slope because it's quite exaggerated, and it can be hard, make things a bit harder to, to line up, so that gets a bit of a uh, bit of getting used to, but I think. I wouldn't say added pressure. I think it's almost such a, a privilege to, to be there and realise so many great players have played there before you. Um, and, you know, even in the field, you know, looking around the ground, it's uh it sort of doesn't really get old the, you know, the, the feeling of, of playing there or, or being there because it's such a, such an amazing place. So I wouldn't say pressure. I think it almost, you know, brings more enjoyment and uh, excitement to the game, especially, you know, um, if it's T20 with a, a packed crowd, there, full house and the atmosphere is amazing. It's um yeah, it's just you try and soak it up as much as you can, really. So I wouldn't say pressure; I'd say uh, more enjoyment um, it brings. Um, adding on to that crowd, crowd part. Do you prefer playing without a crowd after lockdown, or probably prefer with a crowd? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, um, I think if you watch if you watch some sports, um, you know, especially football and things like that, I think it's almost been a bit of a different game. Um, Uh, excuse me, without a crowd Um, and sort of some guys have found it easier, some guys have found it harder. I think, um, I think I personally, it's almost, you know, it's amazing playing in front of um, a huge crowd and it always brings all that excitement and uh, the razzmatazz of a T20 and it's uh, a great experience um, playing in front of it. Um, But I wouldn't say it massively affects me, you know, or hinders me in, in, you know, either way, you know, it's not really that beneficial or it's not, doesn't hinder me, it sort of, doesn't make too much difference. I think when you're batting, you almost focus so much on, on the ball you actually almost forget the crowd are there um, so I wouldn't say it's impacted me you know a great deal um, because uh, like I said if it, you know if you spend too much time thinking about how many people are in the ground it's hard to sort of concentrate on the ball so um I wouldn't say it's sort of impacted me the way too much
1: Thanks And then Barnabas Smith has got another question if Barnabas wants to ask his
0: uh, Yeah Uh what do you think the India v England Test series result would be?
1: I think he wants to bet on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I'd like to, I'd like to say um, it'll be three one England, but um, we we'll have to wait and see. I think um, I think India is a very very tough place to go for for an English team. I think I've, I've been there uh, once with the the under 19s and then once with the England Lions, and I think India in their conditions are a very very difficult team to beat because conditions for an English player is, is so alien to them. You know, the amount of spin that's bowled, um, the way the wickets play, the way the Indian players bat, slightly different to, to English players. So I think if the wicket is similar to how it was in the last test match, I think England will find it quite difficult and have to, I think actually the toss makes a massive difference to, to games over there. And uh, it's such an advantage to be a bat first and get runs on the board and almost have that scoreboard pressure, which India had in the last test, um, England had in the first. So I think it'd be, I think it'd be quite close, but I think, India in their conditions are very, very tif- difficult to beat, and uh, I think you know England won there maybe six, six, seven years ago. Now with what you know when they had the you know it's almost the Great England team with you know Cook, Peterson, Swan, um, Anderson in the, in their prime, and it was such a amazing um, victory. And I think India in, in their conditions are are very, very tough to beat. So I think um, India will be favourites, but I think if England if England win the toss and bat, it'll be a big advantage, and that that um, brings them into the game. So I think it'll be. Uh, Sat on the fence a bit there, um, but I'd like to say I like saying them will win. But I think um, I think India will be favourites. Thank you.
1: Okay, if we go back to the Robinsons, got
0: another question. Um, when you're the captain and you've had like a long day in the field and the team's not doing as well as you hoped, how do you motivate them to keep going? How do I motivate them to keep going? Well, I think firstly, I say, that the worst thing you could do is almost get cross with people and you know shout at them and have a go at them because everyone's out there trying their best, fighting hard for the team. So I think, um, you know, I've played under, you know, some captains or or people, that get quite angry and emotional when when things don't quite go to plan. Um, But what I try and do is almost, there's no point that evening necessarily discussing the game because people have had a a long day's play and people are tired and people are already down about how the game's gone. So I'd almost, I think, you know, the best coaches and and captains would let people go off, go home, um, relax in the evening and almost have the team talk the next morning for the next day's play and think, right, this is what's been and gone. You know, don't think about that now because we can't change that. How are we going to, you know, get things right in the next session and the next period of play? Because, you know, what's happened before, be it in a, you know, one day game or, or a four day game, if you're having a team talk, what's happened has happened and you, you can't change that. So there's no point dwelling on it too much. The only thing you do is look forward and, you know, the time for analysis, the time for deeply reviewing the game and what you've done, you know, and what's comes, you know, in the days after the game when you've got time to reflect on it. Um, So I think the best captains would always be looking ahead rather than back. Um, So even if you had a tough day and, you know, if you've been bowled out for 100 and the team are 200 for four at the end of the play, there's no point really, you know, having to go at people or thinking we should have done this, we should have done that because that's not really going to change anything. The only thing you can have an impact on is uh, is the next, um, next period of play, the next delivery. And, you know, it's the same if you're Even if you're not a captain and you're you're a batsman, you know if you've played a few bad shots, but you're still in. There's no point thinking about what happened two balls ago, or I got dropped then, or I'm not batting very well. The only thing you can think about or control is is what is what happened next. Or if you're bowling and the first three balls of the over have gone for four, and you're you know you've gone for twelve or three, the easy thing to do is think, oh, I'm I'm bowling really badly here. The batsman's on top, this and that. But the only thing that matters is the next delivery because you can't change what's what's happened. So I think that mindset of always looking at the next ball and focusing on the next ball would be what um, the best captains and the best players would uh, would do. Thank you. Okay, if I have go across
1: to Philippa as a question? If she...
0: Sorry. Um, yeah, is there, um, Max, is there any interaction, any training, joint training sessions ever done with the women's side or any sort of masterclasses ever done between the, the two, the men's and the women's squads? Yeah, we do. We do, do a, a fair bit. Some of the fitness sessions, in particular, over lockdown, um, they were obviously done on Zoom. Um, we joined in, and we did a lot of stuff together um, with the S and C coach running sessions for for both men's and women's teams. Obviously, the the Sunrisers um, who play have just uh, sort of been formed from from a Middlesex, Essex, and Kent. I think have, have formed one team called the Sunrisers, and now they're, they're, um, they've made quite a few professionals in their team, which is obviously a great step for. For women's cricket, having a professional England's team and also some professionals um, in England outside the outside the main uh, England women's team as well. So that's obviously a great great step forward for women's cricket, and hopefully that keeps going and that interaction um, continues. But we've done yeah, met not much um, actual cricket work or, or sessions together. They they you know we sort of trained um, a bit apart, um, obviously mainly due to obviously COVID reasons as well. But we've done you know quite a few um, online fitness sessions. But I think that's the main thing from sort of middlesex perspective how. Um I think Middlesex have now got you know, three or four um professional women's players, which obviously, you know, wasn't there um three or four years ago. So that's a great step um in terms of driving that that forward and yeah, hopefully that goes from goes from strength to strength. But um certainly growing up in the Middlesex Academy, I train with um quite a few of the, the Middlesex women players who are now still playing um, you know, for Middlesex now. So that's um the good that sort of everyone's come through to together and um and playing. So that's that's great. Thank you.
1: Okay, and I think the final one is uh, from Matt Brevin. He wants to know what's the best sledge you've heard. Probably best to keep it clean, I guess.
0: <laughs> best, best sledge I've i I heard actually. You know, I, I actually haven't been sledged uh, a great deal in, in counter cricket. I try and keep um, keep a low profile as much as I can in the field because uh, I think if you start if you start saying too much, it sort of comes back come back to haunt you when you um, in, when you uh, when you go out to bat. So I actually haven't. You know, I don't want to say uh, say too much. Maybe what's said to other people, but um, I actually quite fortunate not to be um to be sledged too much but um I think even if someone says something to me I try and be almost block it out like I said earlier and I think if you uh you don't really want to worry what the bowl is saying to you, you can and uh you know because they're only trying to do it to sort of distract you or, or get in your bubble really so I try and uh sort of have the blinkers on and not literally listen to too much what's um what's going on around me when I'm batting but um so many people are saying stuff to me but I'm almost uh so engrossed in my batting that I don't really hear what um hear what they say but uh yeah, a few of the more more chirpier members of the Middlesex team probably cop a bit more bit more abuse than uh, than I do. I try and uh, yeah, like I said, keep a keep a low profile because I think the bowlers, um, unfortunately, always going to win. Really, if you start um, having to go back or anything like that, he's probably going to be the one who has the last laugh at some point. Whether whether you're on a hundred when he gets you out or or nought, it's probably um, him who has the last laugh. So I try and uh, yeah, try and keep it as quiet as I can. <laughs>
1: Like, good stuff, and thanks very much for coming on and you know answering any questions that everyone had. Um, but I think no worries,
0: that, no worries that, at all. Perfect, no. Thanks, perfect. guys. Cheers, Thank you very much. All the best, all the best, everyone.
1: Thank you for listening to the Guernsey Cricket Podcast. Remember to hit the subscribe button and keep listening. No one's going to shoot me down and